glory. Amen. So I would like to continue my theme of fundamentals of the faith. And today, um, I want to share with you fundamental truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but before I do that, I, I'd like to actually make a couple of points. You know, this world in which we live, I don't know if you found this or not, but I have, it's empty. This world in which we occupy our, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years, it's a shell. It's actually incredibly superficial. And because it's so empty, there is nothing that can satisfy the human soul with any longevity apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can bring lasting joy to the human heart apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to share with you rich truth, tremendous truth about the person of Jesus Christ. And, and I'm hoping that as we go through this, this will feed your soul. This will satisfy you. Because uh, as I've meditated on these thoughts, it has, it's enriched me. It's fed my soul. And I hope it will do the same to you. Um, I travel a lot. And I meet a lot of people. Whether I'm sitting on airplanes talking to people or out in the street giving out tracks and seeing people that have experienced many different things in life. And I'm not very old, but in my short experience, I will tell you that I believe with all my heart, you could travel every inch of this world, you could, and you could partake of all the pleasures that this life has to offer, you could partake of every drug and fulfill every fantasy, and it would only give you short-term, temporary enjoyment, but it would leave your soul empty. You will come up dissatisfied in this life apart from personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like to ask myself the question, why is that? Why is life like that? The Lord has laid on my heart two scriptures that I think answer the question. Because everything in this life changes. It's all short-term, it's all temporary, and it will all come to an end. And you know, like, we're so driven for the next Stanley Cup Finals. We're so driven for the next season, the next movie, the, the sequel of this, or next year's university, or next year's promotion. Well, what happens in life when all that comes to an end and there are no more tomorrows? And you are at your last day. 
I will submit to you today emphatically, the only thing that can satisfy the longing of a human soul is personal faith in Jesus Christ. And so I wanna present to you today personal attributes and characteristics that will feed your soul if you believe it about the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanna read two verses to start with. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse eight and nine. This will go along very fittingly with some of the things that David shared with us this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight and nine. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. How long? Forever. The next verse says, do not be carried away with all kinds of strange teachings. Why? Because Jesus Christ doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Contrary to everything else in this superficial world, it changes. It's empty, it's a facade. Jesus Christ doesn't change. And something else that I think is remarkable, why is it that we as humans are not satisfied with earth? Why is it that we just can't get enough? Why is it that there's always this longing for something more, something better? something lasting. Here's the answer. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11. It says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Folks, we were made in the image of God. And God has put an innate desire inside every one of our souls that longs for something of lasting joy, lasting satisfaction. And there's only one thing that can fulfill the need of every human heart, and it is personal faith in Jesus Christ. So I'd like to present to you some amazing truth, fundamental truth, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'd like us to feed our souls upon it. We began by this verse, Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. So what is Jesus Christ like? Who is he? Is he worth following? You remember that the last time I spoke, I spoke on discipleship and how God desires that all men will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and will follow him. 
Why? Is he worth following? Here are five fundamental truths about the Lord Jesus Christ from the scriptures that I'm hoping will give you lasting satisfaction as you consider them. Jesus Christ is eternal in his sonship. Now we're gonna develop that thought. Contrary to what some people say, he didn't just become the son when he was born. He is eternally the son of the living God. He is unique in his incarnation. When God became a man, deity and humanity embodied in a man, the virgin birth, he is unique in his incarnation. I believe that the scripture teaches very clearly he is impeccable in his life. And that word simply means he is flawless. He is without sin. And we're going to show scriptures to support that. He is absolutely perfect, separate from all humanity in the sinful nature. He has no sinful nature. Fourthly, he is substitutionary in his death. You know, this was not just a horrific historical event. When Jesus of Nazareth was led outside the city of Jerusalem and likely in AD 33 was crucified and nailed to a cross, it wasn't just a horrific historical event. There was eternal purpose in that event for you and for me. The death of Christ was substitutionary, and we're gonna show you that from the scriptures. Fifthly, in his resurrection, he is justifying. You know what the human heart longs to be? Justified. Do you know why? We, we carry this awful sense of guilt. It's our conscience. And what we try to do, and I know that we're all the same, we try to cover up our sin. We try to hide things that we don't want others to know. Why? Because we have this sense of human guilt. Because God has placed eternity in our hearts. We are made in the image of God and we've been given a conscience. But when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he provided a basis of justification for every person who will believe in him. Folks, I got good news for you today. You can be absolutely cleared of all guilt of sin. You can walk out of this building with a clear sky before God, knowing absolute certainty, forgiveness of all your sins, and a righteous standing before God. And that, that, satisfies the human soul like nothing can do. Nothing. The Lord Jesus Christ is eternal in his sonship. If you were to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 1, you read these simple but profound words. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, 
and the word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, he, the word, became flesh. Could I tell you today from my greatest ability and in my simple understanding is that before there was ever a world and before anything was ever created, the farthest back that my mind could ever go, there was God, who always is, always was, and always will be. And eternally, there is the eternal Son with the Father and the Holy Spirit, three in one, eternal in his sonship. John wrote his first epistle when he was an old man, likely in his 90s. Gnosticism had set in. The church was being infiltrated by false teachers. And he wrote 1 John, and he said this, That which was from the beginning, we've heard him, we've seen him, we've touched him. There is the physical attributes of God manifest in flesh, and he is the eternal word of life. You know, the disciples were a little bit confused about this, and I'm sure that a lot of people are. There's people that will come to your door and they will tell you that, well, Jesus Christ was created and he was a glorified angel that became a son of God. That is contrary to scripture. That is absolutely false. And I want you to know from the words of the Lord Jesus himself, he said in John 16 and verse 28, I came forth from the Father, and I entered into the world. Now I am leaving the world, and I go to the Father. We read those words in John 17 this morning, where Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he lifts up his eyes into heaven, and he says, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world was. Folks, Jesus Christ is eternal. And before the world was ever created, there was God the Son in perfect harmony with the Spirit and the Father, three persons in one, eternally God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says that God has spoken, spoken unto this world in his Son. You know, there's lots of skeptics today. I meet them all the time. And they will tell you, well, why doesn't God just speak? Why doesn't God just show himself? Folks, the loudest voice that this world has ever heard is when God spoke to us in his son. And he sent his son into the world to reveal God to us. And Jesus Christ came into the world to reveal to us the Father. You know, it says... A little bit further in that chapter, Hebrews 1 and verse 8, that unto the Son, he says, unto the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. What is he saying? He is saying that Jesus Christ is eternal. Not only is he a perfect man, but he is eternally God who became the Son into the world 
to save sinners. Eternally the Son. Sorry, I didn't mean that he became the Son. He's eternally the Son. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Scripture says that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Bible teaches very clearly fundamental truth. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son. But he is unique in his incarnation. There are three things about Jesus Christ that could never be said of any other human being. Do you know what they are? There's probably many, many, many more. But there are three things that stand out in the Scripture that could never be said about any other human being. Number one, he was born of a virgin. That is absolutely unique. Never happened before, and it will never happen again. He was born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Number two, he never sinned. He's the only person that ever walked on planet Earth that never sinned. Number three, he predicted in great detail the details of his death, burial, and resurrection, and he laid down his life, and then he took it up again. That could never be said of any other human being. People might try to predict their death, but they can't rise again, and they won't. There is no other human being ever that those could be said about. Virgin birth, sinless, impeccable in his life, predicted his death, burial, and resurrection and fulfilled it to the exact detail that he told it out to his disciples. There's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that is an amazing verse. It is full of profound truth. And here's what it says. Beyond all question. King James Version says, without controversy. Beyond all question. This is the mystery of godliness God. You want a verse that says that Jesus Christ is God? Right here. God, King James Version, was manifest in flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. Can you imagine the angels that knew the Lord Jesus as the eternal son from a, a bygone eternity, forever, ever, ever in the past? They never seen him in a body. His spirit. God is spirit. But in incarnation, God became flesh. And angels seen him. And they watched his life. Justified in the spirit. Vindicated is the thought. Seen of angels. He is preached unto the nations for 2,000 years. Jesus Christ has been preached unto the nations of the world and he has been believed on and he was received up into glory. God, the eternal son, became a man and was born of a virgin. Why is it so important that he was born of a virgin? You know, the scripture says really clearly that he is the seed of the woman. It doesn't say that he is the seed of the man. Because the sinful human nature 
is passed down through the seed of the man. I believe that scripture teaches that. So by virtue of the fact that he was born of a virgin, there is no possibility of that sinful nature able to contaminate him because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and he was born of a virgin of the seed of the woman, not the seed of a man. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26 says he's holy, he's pure, he is undefiled, and he is separate from sinners. That's why he's able to be our great high priest. He feels all the, the burdens and stress and anxiety that we feel, yet he is without sin, and he is able he is able to meet our needs on this earth, unique in his incarnation. Mary was really confused by this, and she said to the angel, how is this possible? I've never been with a man. And the angel said in Luke 1, verse 32 to 35, that holy thing, that holy one that shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. Unique in his incarnation. I want to present to you how the Lord Jesus is impeccable in his life. Like I said, that word impeccable simply means he is flawless. He could not commit sin. Now, there are people and there are teachings that will say that he could have chosen to commit sin, but he didn't. I think that is contrary to what the scripture teaches. And I believe that the scripture teaches very really clearly that he was not and he could not be defiled by sinful nature. He had no human father, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a woman, as we said. Jesus made this very clear in John chapter 14 and verse 30. Okay? The Lord Jesus said this, the prince of this world Satan comes, and he does come. He tempts every single one of us. And he says, the prince of this world comes, but he has no hold on me. Why is that? Because he was not defiled by human nature. He had no sinful, fleshly nature like you and I have that was passed on from Adam. There was nothing in the heart or soul of the Lord Jesus that would ever or could ever respond to sin. And so that was demonstrated very clearly when he was led into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. In John chapter 8 and verse 46, <clears throat> the Pharisees are just ruthless, absolutely brutal in public debate with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are taunting him. And they, they are about to take up stones and stone him. They are so angry, venomous hatred and envy. And he looks at them and he says, Which of you convinceth me of sin? That, that must have been just like a dagger to their conscience. Because they knew their own sin. They knew the envy and hatred of their heart. And Jesus said to them, which of you can prove me guilty of any sin? Folks, there is no one else 
that could ever say that. No one. Jesus is impeccable in his life. There was nothing in him that could respond to sin. You know, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it says that he was led out into the Judean wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why is that? Uh, he's about to begin his public ministry, and Satan is there lurking, waiting, hoping that Jesus would fall. And so he is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted of the devil. He is exposed to the worst power of temptation. And I would say this, there is not another human being, not one other human being that has ever lived in any generation of this world that could be exposed to the same power of temptation and not fall. But Jesus Christ proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that he could not be tempted by sin. There was nothing in him that would respond to sin. He is impeccable, flawless. Why is that important? Because it gives us the certainty, the foundation, that we can believe in him. He is perfect, holy, harmless, and undefiled. He is separate from sinners. He cannot fail, and he will not fail. There's a really interesting verse in Hebrews 4 and 15. It says, He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Impeccable in his life. Folks, I would say that the Bible makes it abundantly clear that Jesus Christ is God. And in James chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, God cannot, cannot be tempted with evil. He cannot. And Jesus Christ is God. And so in the worst power of temptation, he proves himself to be flawless, impeccable, absolutely spotless. There are three verses that make this abundantly clear. First Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Here's what it says. He knew no sin. 1 Peter 2 and 22. One who walked with him 24-7 for at least three and a half years saw every move that he made. And Peter writes, this one, Jesus, he committed no sin. None. John, likely one of the closest disciples to the Lord Jesus, he writes in 1 John 3 and 5, in him is no sin. He is the spotless lamb of God. Folks, feed your soul on this. This is a foundation for us for eternity. Do you know why? Because in order for him to be our substitute and take our sin he had to be flawless himself. He is substitutionary in his death. This right here is the greatest news 
that anyone in the world could ever hear. You know, it amazes me. I know I'm on a tangent right now. It amazes me. I'm giving out tracks at the Wharf Rat Rally a couple weeks ago with Kirk. And, and people are looking at this and they say, I don't need that. What is this? And they'll take it and throw it in the garbage. And I said to this one young guy, I said, listen, man, this is the most important message that you could ever hear or read in your life. And he says, are you kidding me? That's trash. You know what's so sad about that? Is God has provided salvation for a world of lost sinners that are guilty. And he's given his well-beloved son to die a substitutionary death for you and for me so we could be cleansed of our sin, be made right before God, and have a right relationship. The Lord Jesus is substitutionary in his death. It says in 1 John 3 and 5, he appeared, he came into the world, he was manifest to take away our sins. That's the greatest news that anyone could ever hear. Romans 5, this whole chapter is about the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and verse 6, when we were yet without strength, when you were powerless, not able to do one thing for yourself, Christ died for sinners. You know, it says very rarely would someone die for a good man. Very, very rarely. But God demonstrated his love to us. We, we were not good, folks. We were not good. While we were yet sinners, haters of God, blasphemers, envy, Anger in our heart, venomous hatred against God. God gave his son to die a substitutionary death for you and for me. In fact, the whole fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, John 1 and 29, God's lamb, the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. These Israelites, they did rituals, one sacrifice after another after another. I wonder how many of them really got it. I don't know, but I wonder how many of them really got what they're doing here. And then, centuries later, John stands on the banks of the Jordan and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. I'm sure there were Israelites and they went, What? I got it. Oh, that's what we did for the last 1,500 years. This was all pointing forward to God's substitutionary lamb, which is going to take away the sin of the world. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, God made him, catch this, who knew no sin, impeccable in his life, flawless, to become sin for us, that we might be made righteous in the sight of God. You know, there's a verse in Mark 10 and 45 that Jesus summarizes why he came to this world. He, he came not to be served, but he came to serve. And he came to give his own life. He came to give his life a ransom, a payment price 
for you and for me. Folks, he is substitutionary in his death. I'm sure that some of you remember the substitute teacher that came into your elementary school and you probably threw stuff at her and you probably hated her and you made fun and joke. She is a substitute taking the place of someone else. A substitute. A substitute is one who stands in on behalf of someone else takes the stead, the place of someone else. And this is what Jesus did. There are two Greek prepositions in the New Testament that state substitutionary truth so profoundly. And I, I am by no means a Greek scholar, not even an intellect, but I will tell you this, that uh, this word hooper and ante clearly mean behalf of and in the stead of. So that little word for that's translated in English, it means on behalf of or in the stead of. Let me give you some examples. This morning we broke bread and we drank from the cup. Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, this is my body which is given for you. F-O-R, for you. And what does it mean? It means this is my body which is given on behalf of you, in the stead of you. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 15 that he died for all. It says that he died on behalf of all. He died in our stead. And these little words convey the fact that he is substitutionary. He has taken the place of sinners. My sin, my death, he died for me so I can go free. That word appears again in John 15 and 13. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Folks, Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and for I so that a foundation of salvation can be available to all, to whosoever will may come. He is substitutionary in his death. Now, before I leave this, there may be some people in this audience and you have never yet personally accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. There may be somebody here and you might not realize yet that Jesus Christ actually took your sin upon himself. And before you were ever born, God who knew your sin, every act of rebellion, disobedience, lies, lust, blasphemy, covetousness, anger, envy, wrath, immorality, every act of sin that you and I have committed in our entire life, God knew before you were ever born. And God took that sin and he laid it on Jesus Christ, who is a perfect, impeccable, spotless, flawless one. And he died a substitutionary death so you and I can go free from our sin. Now, 
Now here's the clincher. How do we know this actually happened? How can we be absolutely sure? Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. He didn't just say that he was gonna do this and go and die and be in the grave like every other person. We would never have known that our sins were forgiven. We never would have known that, that God was satisfied. But in Romans 4 and verse 25, it says, he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised again for our justification. Folks, I, I got good news for you today. You can be justified from all your sin. Do you remember what Paul preached in Acts 13? I, I, I use these words all the time when I'm on the street. And when I, when, I, 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 when I like to preach on the street, I love this verse. Through this man is preached unto you forgiveness of sins and all who believe in him are justified. What? It's, it's like that there was this huge debt. Okay, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but I'm going to attempt to describe it like this. You know, they say, I, I read the news there the other day, CBC, they say that um, Canadians are, have been horrific in their, um, in their debt. Household debt has escalated out of control. And everybody's got credit cards, and I, you know what? I, I'm the same. I, I freely confess. So everybody's got credit cards, right? And there's transaction after transaction after transaction after transaction. Who could ever calculate all the transactions that occur on all the credit cards in the entire world? What would that number be? Anybody imagine that? Okay. Multiply that by billions and billions and billions and billions, and it's probably coming close to the world's sin. All the transactions that all humanity has committed, not just in our generation, but for all the generations back to Adam. Imagine that. And God, who is infinite and holy, collected all that sin of all that debt owed to God and he gave his son to die a substitutionary death on behalf of guilty sinners. Folks, what would it be like for you tomorrow? I don't know how much debt you have, but let's say you have a whole bunch of debt and you woke up tomorrow morning and you got a call from the bank, hey, all your debt's been paid. What? Yeah, your mortgage, your, all your credit cards, your car loan, everything's been paid in full. What would you think? You'd probably be ecstatic, especially if you had a lot of debt. But this is infinitely greater, infinitely greater, that someone loved you enough to pay for all your sin, all your debt, that you've committed your whole life God gave his son to die for your sin and he shed his blood. <laughs> and the good news is it's been accepted. You know what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished, done, paid in full. 
and he was buried and he rose again. Wow. To declare to the world that all, all who believe in him are justified. This is the most amazing truth that anyone could ever hear. All that believe in him are justified from all things. And nothing else could ever, ever, ever pay that price. He is the, sac the sacrifice. The substitutionary death has been accepted as payment for our sins. And righteousness comes by faith. By faith. I was talking to a girl the other night. Um, and she... I was, I was uh, giving out this track to this guy beside her, and she says, dude, why don't you go talk to them? She says, I don't need this. I said, why, why don't you need this? She said, I was baptized into the Catholic Church. I said, okay. She said, I, I, I go to church regularly. She says, do you know how many times I've been to confession? I said, no, I, I don't know, but do you think you're better than them? Oh, of course! She says, don't you think you're better than them? I said, no. No, I'm not better than them. In fact, I'm a guilty, hell-deserving sinner. I deserve to be in hell because I have sinned against God, and so have you. And God says there's no difference. We're all the same. And she's looking at me like I got two heads. And I say, look, Jesus Christ died for our sins. He's paid the price. He's the substitute for all mankind. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter what country you live in, what your ethnic background is. It doesn't matter how far into sin you have sunk. It doesn't matter what you've ever committed in your life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Period. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Jesus Christ was unique in his incarnation when God became a man. Jesus Christ is impeccable, flawless. Therefore, he qualifies to be the substitutionary atonement for all mankind. And all who believe in him are justified from all things through which nothing else could ever justify you. Amen. Thank God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that amazing provision that you have made for all mankind and that you gave your son Jesus to die for our sin. But Lord, we rejoice today that he rose from the dead and God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Father, we thank you today that we walk out of this building rejoicing, knowing that we are justified. Our sins are forgiven. We have a right standing with God. We can live today because we know we're ready to die. Lord, we thank you for him. Just commit us to you and ask your rich blessing upon everyone here today and upon this church. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.